If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Romans chapter 14. We have come to Romans chapter 14. I love this chapter. I'm not sure we'll get through all of it because we have quite a few things we need to discuss over it tonight. If we don't get to all of it, that's all right. There's always two weeks from tonight because we... uh, do not have Wednesday night service next Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, all right? Now, this, we can break this chapter down. To, I've, I've just given it a simple title, The Strong and the Weak, all right? And this has to do with, this chapter has to do with the conscience of man and the liberties and the uh, privileges, I should say, of the Christian. Okay, this man, um, he consulted a doctor. He said, doctor, I've been misbehaving and and my conscience is is troubling me. Uh, So the doctor said, well, what do you want? You want me to give you something that will strengthen your willpower? And he said, no, I was thinking more like something that would weaken my conscience. Uh, He's dealing with, in 14, the Apostle Paul is dealing with convictions uh, especially as they relate to the relationships of those that are strong and those that are weak. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't praise the overly sensitive conscience of the weak, nor does he condemn it either. He accepts Christians where they are in their faith and pleads with us to do the very same thing. Can I get a good amen? Um, I, I, I heard a preacher once say that the favorite indoor sport of Christians is trying to change each other. <laughs> Romans 14, Paul says that we should not endeavor to to change one another to suit our preferences, but instead we should change our conduct so as not to offend the weaker brother. Verses 1 through 12 deal with our responsibility to uh, respect the convictions of one another rather than to revise them. Did you catch that? To respect the convictions of one another rather than to revise them. All my religious friends shouted amen. Okay. And then chapter 13, or verse 13 through 23, he instructs us to refrain from, our, from exercising our own liberties when they will harm another Christian. So these personal convictions should not inhibit harmony among believers. The issue at hand is what I want to get to here. Uh, it's, it's vitally important to our understanding, my family, uh, to be absolutely clear, the issue to which Paul speaks of is the matter of personal convictions. These individual Christians will often differ over matters of conscience and liberties. Have you been in the church long enough to understand that? Specifically, Paul mentions the matter of, I'm going to talk about three things he mentions in this chapter, practical things that we're going to discuss. He mentions the matter of eating meat or only vegetables of observing certain holy days, and of drinking wine. Can I get an amen on that one? While two Christians... <laughs> Just seeing if I had stronger weak people in here tonight. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I won't say which one was supposed to say amen. All right. Well, <laughs> While two Christians may uh, disagree over whether or not a Christian should drink wine or eat only vegetables, no Christian should ever dispute the fact that lying and stealing and sexual immorality are sin. 
Can I get a good amen there, right? So, I mean, these are biblical and moral absolutes, right? I mean, we see where Scripture is very clear about. I mean, we don't differ on the virgin birth, do we? We, we don't argue whether uh, Christ was God in the flesh. We don't, we don't, we don't argue over phys- the physical resurrection of our Lord, nor of his uh, substitutionary sacrifice. These are all doctrinal certainties. Can I, am, I, am I right? So when we understand that Paul is, is speaking with regard to individual liberties and Christian rights and personal convictions, then it's easy to see the difference in Paul's attitude here in Romans 14 uh, as opposed to a place like Galatians chapter 5. <laughs> now, you know what Galatians chapter uh, Galatians is about. We went through the entire book on Wednesday night talking about Paul's extreme defense of the gospel, keeping the gospel clear and concise, even at one point withstanding Peter the apostle to his face, calling him out as a hypocrite in front of everybody because he said, you're not being clear about the gospel. All right, and we've got to keep it clear. It's simply Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. That's it. And whoever believes on him will live forever. Amen. So there were those who taught that it was impossible to be saved apart from keeping the law. I want to jump over for just a moment to Acts chapter 15. We'll we'll go over to Galatians in just a moment. Acts chapter 15, Alex, and uh, verses one and two. We even went through this also when we went through the book of Acts. So you guys are so well versed in the Bible. You know so much Bible. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. So what these guys were teaching is, okay, yeah, that's, that's great that you believed on the Lord and you got saved, but if you're going to stay saved, you're going to have to follow the law. You're going to have to get the rules down so that you can maintain that salvation that you got for free. Oh, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. How can I work for that which I got for free? Okay. Therefore, when Paul, watch this, therefore when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, Paul could not stand this. He hated that, that people preached this stupidity of righteousness is maintained by works rather than by faith. So, with these Judaizers, he was very severe uh, because their doctrine was false. So, these guys in Rome that he's talking to, though, they, they were not of this sort of person. They, they were not saying that you had to avoid meat in order to be saved. Uh, they simply felt that it was wrong for the Christian to eat meat just as, is, just as it is wrong to lie or steal. But even they were wrong at putting it on that level. The difference between his response to the weakness of those in Romans 14 and the heresy of the Galatians can be best illustrated. I want you to, we're going to look at two different places. It's really marvelous. Go to Acts 16 for a moment. And we're going to see two examples of how he dealt with people's customs, their convictions versus just flat out false doctrine. Okay? Acts 16, verse 3, Paul finds a young man named Timothy. In verse 3, Paul wanted him to go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. Oh, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So Paul had Timothy circumcised so as to not offend the the scruples um, or the custom of the Jews there. All right? Because they all knew that his father was Greek. Now jump over to Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to see another angle here. 
Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, Alex. Um, yet not even Titus, was, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Hmm. Watch. This is why. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty. There's only one way to spy out their liberty to see whether they're circumcised or not. Okay. That's what he's saying perverts, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Watch verse 5, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour. So when the gospel was on the line, Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to be circumcised because you think that it's for righteousness sake. Now, if it's a custom or something and, and, and you would be offended just for the custom's sake, all right, then we might entertain that. But if you're thinking that it has to do with righteousness, no thank you. Okay, so we see the two examples with Timothy and Titus. Don't you know Timothy was thinking, gosh, I wish I'd been around the heretics. All right. So although he he deals decisively with moral sin and and doctrinal uh, deviation in the New Testament, he pleads for understanding and love when it comes to simple immaturity in the matter of Christian liberties. Are you catching this? So... You guys remember this story years ago about the, these guys who broke into a department store and they were caught on camera and everything and they didn't steal one thing. They just switched price tags on everything. <laughs> so the, the, this, this, they had a heck of a time straightening things out. They had a refrigerator for $9.95, bar of candy for $110, you know. Just made a mess out of everything. When I, when I was growing up and... Uh, Part of my upbringing was in a very legalistic atmosphere, and it seemed someone had switched the labels on who the strong were and who the weak were. Because I'd always been taught that the strong Christian was the one who knew that he couldn't. Can I get a witness? He couldn't smoke. He couldn't drink. He couldn't chew. He couldn't dance with the girls that do. Hmm? And he certainly couldn't go over to the evil picture show. And she couldn't wear lipstick. And she, they just wanted to make her look as ugly as possible. No makeup, no lipstick, no fingernail polish. Ugliness is next to holiness, I guess so. And, 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 and the strong Christian was someone who lived in absolute terror that somebody somewhere was having a good time. Hmm? The weak Christian was the one who talked about liberty. It has been, uh, if, um, if this has been your understanding of the strong and the weak, then you had better take a closer look at this chapter. That's why we're really just walking through this thing slowly. Because the weak brother thinks it's wrong to eat the wrong things, not the strong brother. Are you hearing me? It's the weak guy. He says, he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, I'm not coming on any, down on any of you vegetarians. I'm just saying I do have scripture and verse. Uh, okay. Amen. The strong knows that there's really nothing intrinsically sinful about eating meat 
Amen. And then later on, and he, he says in this chapter, the week, the week seems to regard some days as more sacred than others. But, but the strong regards every day the same. Hey, it's every day Christ is in me. Every day. Every day is a, a holy day. All right? All right. But the way he describes the weak Christian here, now listen to me, is not... He's not just the one who believes something which in fact is a Christian liberty is prohibited. But he is one who is inclined to go ahead and follow the example of the one with the strong conscience in spite of his scruples. And this is where the problem occurs. Not because he necessarily thinks it's wrong, and there's a problem there. But that he would engage in it anyway and go against what his conscience is telling him. Did I lose you? So, they have several different uh, distinctions, the strong and the weak. So, let's, let's look down at, um, let's start in, in verse 1 of Romans 14. Receive one who is weak in faith. Oh, this is the weakness, isn't it? He, he tells us right up front. What they're weak in. They're weak in faith. Receive the one who is weak in faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. In other words, don't receive them. Don't have them come over to your house or whatever to argue with them about these kinds of things. Okay? Receive those who are weak in faith. How do people weak in faith get strong? By hearing the Word. The Word is the cure. Right? Not our opinions. Not our convictions. The word is the cure. Okay? There's been a lot of error in the church because of that, that very thing. And uh, the weak stay weak. And the, you know, they're, they're, let me say something about the The weak are prone to condemn the actions of the strong as, as they have not yet come to understand Christian liberty. They do not accept it in others. And, and so they can be immediately recognized by the frown of contempt on their faces. But the strong are those who are more fully aware of the nature of grace and the teachings of the Word of God. They have a greater grasp of faith as in the doctrine, as in the gospel. Therefore, their personal faith is stronger. Are you getting this? But they're, sus they're susceptible to being smug and arrogant. They can easily find contempt and disdain for those who cannot fully grasp grace. So we all have to watch ourselves, don't we? We all have to watch ourselves how we treat one another at the end of the day. So to each of these groups, Paul gives a word of warning, the strong and the weak. He has a word of warning and instruction. And the instruction is to stop passing judgment on the convictions of the other and to welcome them into warm fellowship and acceptance. All right. Now accept, that's what he says. Receive one who is weak in faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. So he gives us uh, several good reasons why it's wrong for Christians to attempt to correct the convictions of other believers. Let me just, if you're writing, taking notes, write this down. Personal convictions are private property. Personal convictions are private property. Hey, husbands and wives, this might help you a little bit. Y'all are way too quiet on that one.
Keep, keep going down there, Alex. Verse 2. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. See, there it is right there. Verse 3. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Oh, God has received him. God has accepted him. Next. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. In other words, you're not going to do a better job than the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that's in you is in him or her. I promise you, he knows what to do. He speaks to them. You don't have to be Holy Ghost for them. You be brother, sister. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced where? Where? In his own mind. Look at verse 22. Jump down to verse 22 there, Alex. Do you have faith? Have it where? To yourself. Before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. So this is what he's saying. I mean, Paul's point is uncomfortably clear, isn't it? Mind your own business. That's what he's saying. This is good, better preaching than your amen, but I'm going to keep on preaching. Christian convictions are private property. We are responsible for our own convictions, but not for the convictions of our brother. Oh, man. I've been doing a lot of trespassing, apparently. Okay. Are you okay out there? Are you sure? Okay. Still love me? So our acceptance of men into fellowship and women in fellowship should be no more restrictive than God's. The strong are apparently guilty of getting together with the weak only to straighten them out. The effect of the matter was that strong and weak Christians were not associating with one another or accepting them. So we cannot demand our brother or sister to conform to our convictions before we will fellowship with them simply because this will be inconsistent with the acceptance shown by God. Look at verse 3. Let not him who regards, uh, who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for God has received him. If God has accepted him as he is, then we must do no less. We should not try to change the one that God has accepted as is. That's what Paul's just trying to get across to us here. He says, who are you to judge the servant of another in verse 4? To his own master he stands or falls and stand he will for the Lord is able to make him stand. So if we busy uh, ourselves in judging our brothers, we're taking upon ourselves the prerogatives of God. and He alone is their master. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's go on. Let's look at verse um, 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. 
For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Don't you love the common sense here? It's like, it's like when, uh, I believe it's Ecclesiastes. Can you remember this? Where Solomon says, wherever the tree falls, that's where it lies. That is profound. I had to read the Bible to learn that. None of us lives for himself. None of us dies to himself. Wow. So, he does not refer here to the impact we have on other men by our actions. Rather, he stresses that nothing we do is done independently of God because we belong to him. We've been bought at a price so that whether we live or die, we do as such to the Lord. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who does not eat for the Lord does not eat and gives thanks to God. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we live for the Lord. So he's saying all this is for the Lord. And you're pointing your finger at each other. And you need to just be looking up. If we wish to busy ourselves with the work of passing judgment, let us concentrate upon judging ourselves. That's what the Scripture says. If we would judge ourselves, then we would not be judged. Right? Rather than upon our neighbor. Because the truth is, all of us will stand before our God and give account for our lives. Now, let's go down to verse 13, Alex. What time is it? Seven. Okay. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So Paul showed us what his conviction was. Nothing's unclean. I'm fully convinced of myself there's nothing unclean. Notice he didn't say evil, all right? Because we're not talking about the absolutes of, of sin. We're dealing in that area of conviction and conscience, all right? And it's going to be different. He says, I'm convinced. My conscience tells me by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of, it, of itself. How is this Jewish man saying this? But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Okay, keep going. Verse 15. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Next. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. If someone would get offended, and he's not talking about the fact that they would be offended because you're eating it. The offense comes because they follow your lead. And their own conscience is saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but then they do it. And that's where the problem is. And you've caused them to go against their own conscience, even though it is a weak conscience. Are you hearing me? Okay. He's weak how? In faith. Because he's weak in doctrine. And so we have to teach the word so that he will be strong. Okay. The ultimate issue is not one of right or wrong here. The basis for Paul's whole exhortation, uh, starting there in verse 13, 
is that neither the exercise of Christian liberties nor the abstinence from them is good or evil. Hmm. The rightness or the wrongness of these liberties is determined by our attitude towards those things. I know and am convinced of the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. That's amazing. That's why Paul could say, that's why Paul could say, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All right? So one thing that might help you um, in determining and, and, and becoming stronger in your walk with the Lord and in your conscience and those kinds of things and in the liberties that, that God has given us is to de- decide whether you're going to live for what is permissible, for what is lawful, what you can do, or what is profitable. All right? This is, this is, this is Christian, the test of Christian maturity right here. What, in other words, what Paul is saying is just because you can, should you? Just because you can, just because it's lawful, there's nothing saying that you can't. Well, the Bible doesn't specifically say that. Okay, then you're wanting to live on the lawful. But I have people ask me, Pastor, is it okay to drink or is it okay to do this? And I go, depends on the conscience. It depends on the conscience. I say what the Bible has to, what it says. It depends on their conscience. If they have a weak conscience, apparently not. <laughs> they are so quiet. I don't, why are y'all so quiet tonight? Am I boring you? Okay, okay, all right. Just want to make sure. Would you tell me even if I was? Now, I've got some really good friends in here. They would tell me. Okay. My wife being one of those. Okay. Okay, okay. Let's get down here. I'm just going to move down a little bit. No, you know what? I want to stop right there for a moment. I'm going to stop right there. Because there, there's a whole other part I've got to get to, and it's going to take longer than I want it to tonight. Um. So when it comes to friends, when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to um, those that you deal with, coworkers, coworkers can be friends too. <laughs> Some of you might think that would take a miracle, but um, but to remember to deal with one, especially in the church, guys, especially in the church. The bottom line is to deal with one another in love, to love each other, and to fully accept one another. And if something is absolute sin, where we know the Bible says that, then that's, you know, that's one thing to come and talk to your brother or sister about that, you know, and to help one another out. But when it comes to things of conscience and Christian liberties, hmm, private property, just remember that. That'll help you. I tell you what, busybodies won't know what to do if they grab a hold of this kind of teaching. They won't know the gossips. It'll just go away, right? Because it's all in that realm. It's all in that realm. And, and only God's the one that is your master in that situation. So some of you need to be set free tonight from that, from either being guilty of being one of those who've been judging others or feeling like, feeling down because you've been judged in that manner, that you felt like you had to wear somebody else's convictions. 
And you just let the Holy Ghost be your guide. Okay? And if you'll live by the Holy Spirit, you'll live right. You just will. If you'll live by the Scripture, if you'll be by, if you let your conscience be led by the Word of God, you'll always make the right decision. You won't have to worry about it. If you're worried about it, then don't do it. Hello? I mean, if it's just going to cause you havoc, why, why put yourself through that? Amen. Lawful or profitable? Lawful or profitable? Father, thank you for this time together with my family. Thank you, Lord, for the growth that we get when we gather around the Scriptures like this. and It makes us think. It makes us frustrated. It, it, can, it, it, it convicts us. It helps us, Lord, to, to have better understanding about, first and foremost, how to love one another, how to treat our brothers and sisters, and to keep the main thing the main thing, to not get caught up in frivolous things but to love one another. That's what your scripture says. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. That's the only debt that we have is love, not judgment, love. Help us, Lord, to grow in these things. Father God, to be determined that not to live our lives for what is necessarily lawful, but Lord, to live on that profitable side. To live our lives to fully please you. To be strong in faith. To be strong in grace. Be strong in the word. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Thank you, Father God, for all these that are here tonight. And maybe there are some here tonight who need to make some corrections about the way they've been viewing people. And the way they've been viewing even themselves and others. Lord, that, that, I just thank you that there's no condemnation for them tonight. That you just help them make the correction to repent. That is to just change their mind. And to move forward. And those who have carried weight, the weight of guilt and shame in here tonight, that that would now just be removed from their life. And they'll be free. The, the, the load, the, the burden will be lifted from them tonight. And they'll be free in you, God. Free in the Spirit. Thank you, God, that you, you do all things well. You are good and you do good. Every good thing in our life has come from you. I thank you for your blessing on your people, Lord, for the remainder of this week. Lord, that it will be better than the, than the first part of this week. That they'll increase in every way, God. That their bodies will be strong and healthy. Their minds will be clear. They'll have sound mind. That they'll, when they lie down and, and, and sleep, it'll be peaceful sleep. You make them dwell in safety. Their children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. I thank you, Father God, that you go with your people. And that they would be bold to declare the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel that saves in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11. And Wednesday evenings at 7. And in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.